Good morning, and welcome to Drawing the Morning. This is Stuart McClellan, the pastor of the Altoona Bible Church. We are conveniently located at Union Avenue and 31st Street on Route 36, the Columbia Park section of Altoona. We hope that this broadcast will help you think on the things of the Lord as you prepare your heart for ministry among the saints today. Stay tuned for the next 30 minutes of inspiring music, challenging stories, and a Bible study. Listen now as the Altoona Bible Church Choir opens our broadcast this morning with a song entitled, Sing Joy. Ornamental arrangements that can be found in homes throughout the year. 
However, for many, there are a seasonal decoration and the holiday most associated with wreaths is Christmas. While they can be made of almost anything, Christmas wreaths are most often made of fresh greenery and seasonal flowers. During this season, they are generally either placed flat on a surface or hung on a wall or door. Although they become a holiday tradition in the United States and other parts of the world, many are unaware of the long history and assorted meanings associated with them. The word wreath comes from the Old English rithen, meaning to twist. And over centuries, wreaths have been associated with a variety of cultures. It is believed that wreaths date back to the Persian Empire, ancient Egypt, and ancient Greece. But their purpose during those times differ from the way that they are popularly used today. In the Persian Empire, wreaths were called diadems, were a sign of power or authority worn as a headdress. They were made of fabric adorned with jewels and often worn by royalty. Ancient Egyptians also wore a type of wreath as a headdress, but theirs was made of flour and called a chaplet. In Greece, wreaths made of laurel were worn by emperors and awarded to warriors and others as a symbol of honor. Romans awarded olive leaf and laurel wreaths to winning athletes and even poets. But perhaps... The most widespread and well-known use of wreaths comes in connection with Christmas and with Christianity as they are circular in shape, is said to symbolize eternal life and the unending love of God. These wreaths are traditionally made of evergreens, which symbolize eternal life, holly, oak, and red berries. The red berries and the thorny leaves of the holly oak represent the crown of thorns worn by the Lord Jesus Christ and the drops of blood that they drew. This Christmas season, as you visit friends, shop, or even drive through your neighborhood, we hope that each time you see a wreath that you're reminded of the real reason for Christmas and what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross of Calvary. Listen now as Sharon Reynolds sings this beautiful song, Christmas Joy Medley.
You are listed during the morning, which is presented each Sunday at the same time by the Altoona Bible Church. We begin with our Sunday school hour at 9.30. Then at 10.45, we all gather in the main auditorium for our morning worship service. We invite you to listen to or watch our church services. Our service are on Facebook at Sunday, 11 o'clock and 7 p.m. and Wednesday night at 7.15 p.m. We invite you to visit our website at www.altunabible.org. Also, we're on the Johnstown and Altoona Access Channels 9 and 14. And there are services available on the local radio stations on Sunday at 11 o'clock, 12 noon, and 7 p.m. If you have any questions concerning our church services, please call the church office at 942-2131. Listen now as Danielle Peck plays for us on the piano this beautiful song entitled, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. There's no definitive history behind Christmas caroling. Where they originated, who wrote them, and how they evolved is unclear. 
Caroling is an oral tradition passed down from generation to generation. Carols commemorating the nativity or the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ were purportedly first written in Latin in the 4th and 5th centuries, but they did not become associated with Christmas until the 13th century. The concept of Christmas carols and the spreading of them to the community to celebrate Christ's birth is thought to have spread across Europe. Today, many caroling groups sing for charity in churches and in neighborhoods, and some historical accounts claim this is rooted in the feudal societies when the poor citizens would sing for their supper in exchange for food or drink. Another theory is that the carolers traveled door-to-door because they were not originally allowed to perform in churches. Others say this idea did not develop into the 16th century when Anglo-Saxon peasants adopted these pagan customs when they went wassailing, requesting nourishment from their superiors in exchange for singing good tidings. Wassail was a thick, hot-spiced beverage that helped keep the traveling well-wishers warm, and in its heyday, the drink was just as much of a holiday tradition as eggnog is in modern times. As wassailing evolved with children often going door-to-door, it became more associated with Christmas and caroling. Oliver Cromwell banned Christmas celebrations in England from 1649 to 1660. He believed Christmas should be a serious holiday and celebrated accordingly. Caroling did not experience a surge in popularity until the 19th century when it's thought that joyful, expressive hymns were well received in the Victorian era. By the way, have you ever wondered just what is figgy pudding? If you've ever glanced at the lyrics to the popular carol, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, you may have noticed that carolers insist about getting figging pudding. We wouldn't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. Now bring it right here. So what exactly are these jolly folks threatening to loiter on your doorsteps over? Figgy pudding is a British dessert also famous for being served by Mary Crotchin, in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It's often compared to a cross between carrot cake and custard containing eggs, cream, sugar, spices, and chopped figs. Among the other ingredients, the recipe vary, but the dessert has a unique texture and taste, one which is apparently worth waiting for around in the Victorian age. So if you're lucky to be serenaded with carolers this Christmas, join with them and enjoy the message of our Savior's birth and song. Listen now as Carol Johnson, Cheryl Howman, and Penny Harris sing this beautiful song entitled, A Christmas Invitation.
the Holy One in swaddling clothes. Come and see, come and see. Hush, he's sleeping, don't you know? Come and see, come and see. Once again, this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, our doors will be open here at the Altoona Bible Church. Time now for our Bible study portion of our broadcast, and this morning the topic of our Bible study is the gifts of the wise men. Luke chapter 2, verse number 10 and verse 11. And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. Verses 10 and 11. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And they, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Recently, my father-in-law shared with me a pamphlet which he had received in the mail. And the pamphlet is concerning the three gifts of the wise men. Though the author agrees that two gifts of frankincense and myrrh were given by the wise men, 
but he disagrees that gold was a third gift. He maintains that since both frankincense and myrrh were spices, and since gold is not a spice, therefore it cannot possibly be the third gift. He further states that frankincense and myrrh would have helped Mary in her postpartum pain. So he concludes that gold was really a spice, and it was a spice with specific healing power. This conclusion is absolutely an attack upon the Word of God, and his conclusion shows his biblical ignorance and his lack of biblical understanding about the timeline difference between Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2. What is the time difference between Luke 2 and Matthew chapter 2? And that's why we read those verses of Scripture. I would encourage you to go back and read Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 2. Because Luke chapter 2 records the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ in the city of Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 2 is up to two years after his birth. Speaking of the wise men and their three gifts and finding Christ in a house and not a manger. In addition, these three gifts were not given to Mary, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And all these three gifts have a tremendous prophetic significance. Because the number of gifts three, tradition teaches that there were only three wise men. And tradition will even tell you their names and mention that they were kings. The number of the wise men is not important because the word of God does not tell us the exact number. I personally believe that there was more than three. Literally, there was an entourage of wise men. The star appeared to them in the east. The star did not lead the way or guide them as they journeyed from Babylon to Jerusalem. Many times in a Christmas card you will see, and the Christmas card will have wise men and a star, and like they're following the star. The star, and that's wrong. The star appears to them in the east, and then it disappears, and we can show you how it reappears to them. They knew. Immediately when they recognized and they saw the star, they knew the significance of his star. And shortly after seeing it, they began their long journey to Jerusalem. Why did they go to Jerusalem? Because Jerusalem was the spiritual capital of Israel. And surely they would know about the birth of the king. That is why when they get there, they ask the question, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come now to Jerusalem to worship him. If they were traveled east, they would have been going away from Jerusalem. They saw the star in the east, and they actually traveled west. What is east of Jerusalem? And that is why I believe they came from Babylon, and you can connect this back to the book of Daniel. Immediately, Herod demanded of the chief priests where the Christ should be born. They knew the Old Testament. And they knew, according to the prophet of Micah, that his birth would take place in the city of Bethlehem. That's Micah chapter 5, verse 2. As Herod directs the wise men to Bethlehem, the star which they saw in the east, which had disappeared, now reappears, and it stood over the house where the young child was. And it directs them to a specific house. No doubt that the star led them to a house in Nazareth. Luke chapter 2 verse 39 says, And when they had performed all the things 
according to the law of Moses. When she had performed, when Mary and Joseph had performed the days of purification, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. And the star that appeared to them in the east, and as I said, disappears, then is going to reappear and guide them to the exact house where Mary and the young Christ were. So when we see at the time of Christmas and people have a manger scene and they have the wise men around the manger scene, I hope you understand that that's biblically inaccurate. They were not there. They don't arrive on the scene till over up to two years later. And the star is not a conjunction of planets. It's not a shooting star, but rather it's identified as his star, no doubt the Shekinah glory of God. They were not present at the manger at his birth, but they're arriving two years later. They brought the gifts, and the gifts do not indicate the number, but rather the significance of the gifts. And maybe you think a young child about the age of two being given myrrh or frankincense or gold sounds like these gifts were not appropriate gifts or useful one. These three gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh, have a tremendous prophetic and spiritual significance. The gifts of the wise men were not given to a young child, but they were the gifts for a king. And these three gifts actually signify the threefold office of Christ to the nation of Israel. And Lord willing, then we're going to continue looking at this and we'll identify the gifts and we will show you their significance. See, the Word of God is so marvelous and so beautiful. Reject tradition and we accept the Word of God as God's Word and we need to study it as Christians. And if you've never trusted Christ your Savior, you need to recognize that Christ died for you that he was buried, rose again, that simple faith, God will save you now and throughout all, all eternity. been listening to Joy in the Morning from the Altoona Bible Church. We trust that you've received a real spiritual blessing from this broadcast. It is our prayerful desire that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. So until we meet again by radio, this is Pastor Stuart McClellan wishing you God's best for now and for eternity. Jesus is